Becky Gannon, and I'm mad about miniatures. There is a world-class school for miniaturists that magically pops up in beautiful Castine, Maine every summer. It's run by the International Guild of Miniature Artisans, and today we will be learning all about that school from Katie LaFortune. The Instagram for Guild School is at Igma Guild School. Let's go talk to Katie. Hi, Katie. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Becky. How's it going? It's going great, and I'm really excited to talk to you about Guild School. So can you tell us, kind of introduce who you are and why you're talking about Guild School? Okay. My name is Katie. Last name is LaFortune, and I attended Guild School, IGMA Guild School, in June of 2022. It was my first time, and since then, I've also taken over running the Instagram account for the IGMA Guild School. I promote our organization. I promote trying to get people to in, be interested in attending Guild School and kind of answering any questions they have about what it's like or what it's all about. And that's what we're here to do today, demystifying the IGMA Guild School, some fun tips, talk about the lobster dinner. So if any of you are interested in going to Guild School and have wondered what it's like, this podcast is going to answer that, right, Katie? Yes, it's like going to college for miniatures, but it's super condensed into one week that is very, very filled with all sorts of activities, all day long classes. So it is pretty busy. Yes, and it takes place one week in, is it June or July? In June. In June, and tell us where it is. It's in a really beautiful place. Yes, it's in Castine, Maine, which is a really small little seaside town in northern Maine. I drove there, and it was a five and a half hour drive to go up there. The town is very small. It's filled with these very architecturally interesting older houses. They're usually white, you know, painted white like that typical old school New England small town look. So it's very picturesque. On the water, old New England, like a little picture postcard. It is. The school is held at the Maine Maritime Academy, which is like a kind of like a military college, I guess. It's run very well. It's very organized. It's just like being in college, kind of. But I just want to let people know there are no dorm mothers. No. (laughs) I'm sure you're allowed to drink. And even though it's a military college, there are no push-ups or uh, running drills, right? (laughs) Right. No. (laughs) It's run by people who absolutely love miniatures and they are very skilled at making miniatures. And that's basically the focus. You stay there and for one week, all you have to worry about is learning how to better your skills or learning new skills to make artisan miniatures. That sounds fabulous. So it sounds like a really intensive, fun experience, and you get to meet other miniaturists or people who are learning miniatures from all over the country and really all over the world. Is that right? Yes. There are about 30 instructors. All of the instructors are either artisans or fellows of the guild. We have about 48 classes that we offer. Usually there's a little over 200 students who attend. This year, I think it's a little, it's about like 216 or so that have registered so far. And they're from all over the world. 
this year for the 2023 session in June, there are students representing 12 other countries outside of the United States. That's fantastic. That's so cool. And some of the teachers are from other countries as well. Is that right? Yes, they are. We have teachers from Holland, from Germany, from Spain, from Italy, from the Netherlands, and and as well all over the United States too. I know you went last year. Do you recognize the person who came from the furthest away? I do know that last year the student who came from the you know the furthest point away was a nice girl named Shabani, and she came from India. So she traveled, I think, like. 7,500 miles from India to this tiny little town in Maine. I had one class with her and she was like so nice. You know, what I love about meeting other miniature people in shows or wherever I've met them is you meet them and it's an instant icebreaker to talk about minis because you have something in common with them that you don't have in common with 99% of the population. So it doesn't take much to really get to know people and feel they're good friends. Most people, it seems like they don't get miniatures. You know, they think that that's kind of weird. They're like, you're into dollhouses? They're an adult. But when you meet other miniatures, it's like they get you. They get it. They get the reason why you're into it. Yes. So you actually went this past summer, right? Yes. I went with my sister. She actually got me into it. I started being interested in trying to make miniatures in 2020, but I didn't know that there was a a guild. I didn't know that there was a guild school. I didn't know anything like that. My sister Holly is super into miniatures and she has been for, I would say over a decade. So she kind of was like, hey, Katie, there's this thing that I really want to try. Will you do it with me? And I was like, sure, what is it? And she told me about it and I'm like, oh, okay, sure. I definitely didn't feel like I had the skill you know, I was worried I wouldn't have the skill to be able to to go. But that's what's really awesome about guild school is that you don't have to be super experienced to be able to go and learn things. So you don't have to have ever even made a miniature before. They'll teach you and they take students of all levels. You could be intermediate. You could be like really advanced. They've got classes to meet different skill levels. So I was like, OK, let's try it. And we drove up there and we tried it and it was awesome. We loved it and we're going to go back this year too. You know, that's really good to hear because I have talked to other miniaturists who've told me about Guild School. The ones I've talked to are very advanced and they always say, oh yes, beginners can come. But it's been a long time since they've been beginners. So I kind of wondered, but is that true? Tell us what you made. Tell us what classes you took. Okay. So when you go to guild school, you're you're taking, as a standard, 36 hours of classes. Wow. And it's over six class days. So if that's what you go for, 36 hours, then you'd be in class for six hours a day. You have the option to purchase like 12 extra hours or whatever. So I went for 48 hours and so did my sister. We just, we were like, you know what, if we're doing this, we want to learn as much as possible while we're there. So we really kind of just crammed in like as much learning as we could. So I took 48 hours of classes and I ended up having three classes because they have classes that are 12 hours long, like the course is for 12 hours. So you would do two hours of this class each day for six days. They also have 24 hour classes. 36-hour classes, and 48-hour classes. 
the 48 hour classes, there's two and they're usually really very advanced. And you're there all day, every day for six days to work on these really, really advanced projects. And you probably won't end up finishing the projects. Although they say you probably could, but I guess they're they're pretty intense. The two 48-hour classes are something that I don't think you could just jump right into that. So I took two 12-hour classes and one 24-hour class to make up my 48 hours. So are you saying that with the smaller classes, it's a little easier to finish the project or that no matter what, you can't finish them? Yes, the smaller classes, yes, it's a lot easier to finish the classes by the end of the week. If you're less advanced or if you're just, you know, not the quickest worker, you're suggesting that you take more of the the fewer hour classes. It depends. When you look at the classes, when you're making your class choices, the classes will tell you the level that they are. Also, the classes will tell you if they think that a normal, like a regular student would be able to finish their project by the end of the week. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it could be a longer class, but... That doesn't necessarily mean that it's for more advanced people. It's just that this project is kind of like a larger scale. Okay. But you looked at which classes said you could finish and and that kind of led you toward the shorter classes. Yeah, just because I had never experienced it before. So I wasn't sure, you know, what my skill level would be compared to other people who have been making miniatures for years. So the three classes that I chose were to take a miniature flower making class. The flowers were called auricula flowers, and that was taught by Pia Becker. First of all, she's an IGMA fellow. So she's extremely skilled at what she does. She has her own little business called Lamis Minis. Tell me what it means to be qualified as an IGMA artisan and an IGMA fellow so we can realize how special that is. So to be an artisan, you have to be a member of IGMA, the International Guild of Miniature Artisans, for one year before you can submit your miniature work to be judged to see if you have the skills to become an artisan. Okay. A miniaturist who is not yet an artisan but would like to become an artisan submits their work blindly. Like the British Bake Off, where they judge the cakes without knowing. That's right. There should be no favoritism or anything on part of the committee. And what they look at is quality of work, difficulty of work, consistency, Are you doing like the same quality of work among the three or five submissions or however many you submitted? Right. So then they vote. And, you know, if your work is deemed good enough and and really you should be sending your best work, it should be the best things that you've built. Then you get to be an artisan, which is a big honor. Yeah, that's a that is an honor. And then to be a fellow, that's the highest honor. You have to have been practicing your craft for a long time. You have to be a member of IGMA for three years before they'll let you try to submit your work to become a fellow. If your work is chosen, they give you a clear cube. It has a metal inside, and that's a really, really big deal. A lot of fellows will display their cube at their tables when they do international shows and things like that. Okay. Because it's like a really, it's a very high honor to receive that. Oh, cool. Well, you have to be at least an artisan or fellow to teach. 
Yes. You were telling us about this class about flowers. And what kind of flowers did you say they were? They were called auricula flowers, which I had had never heard of before. (laughs) I know that they're a part of the primrose family. And the reason that I chose to make those flowers is because my 24-hour class taught by Pat Richards of New York City, the class was called the Garden Wall Vignette, and it was a little brick wall, like a garden wall, that has an auricula theater built onto it. So an auricula theater is kind of like an outdoor shed slash shelf that people who raise auriculas, they keep their auriculas in this outdoor shelf. And it's to keep them from too much sunlight, but also from too much dampness, because I guess they're like very picky flowers. So that was my other class. I wanted to be able to make the little flowers to go into the little garden shed Perfect. That I was making in the garden wall vignette class. So that was my 24-hour class. I chose one other 12-hour class, and it was a Victorian sewing box with parquetry inlays. And that was taught by Chris Malcolmson, who is from Spain. He was originally from the UK, but he lives in Spain now. And he was so nice. Just a wonderful. All of my teachers were amazing, and I really loved them. Wow, that's so neat. So the flowers you made out of paper or silk or? Yep, the flowers were made out of paper and a little bit of paint. The um, petals were from a very tiny little paper punch that must have been, I would say, maybe three millimeters across, maybe even less. (laughs) That took a lot of skill. You had to cut every little individual petal and paint each flower and you had to use a magnifying headset to see what I was doing because they were so small. You had to cut out the little leaves and paint the little leaves and make little stems and then you've got to pot them in little tiny pots like uh, terracotta. Wow. So you really want to make sure you're not sneezing or there's not a big gust of wind. (laughs) And because it was summertime, It was very warm in the room, but you couldn't really keep the windows open because any gust of air would blow what you're working on away. So it was a little hot in that one classroom. So what did you end up with? Like how many flowers? I finished two plants. Each plant of flowers would be like three stalks of auricula and each stalk of auricula had five flower heads on it. So you had to make 15 flowers and three stems for each. That's actually a lot if each one has all these petals and everything. So these are incredibly detailed. Yes, very detailed. And they came out amazing. I couldn't believe how realistic they looked. And that's all to the credit of Pia Becker. Her specialty is flowers and plants, and she designs them herself to look so realistic. She figures out these awesome techniques, and I was so impressed with guilds because they're not gatekeepers. They don't hide the methods of how they come up with these amazing things. They're actually willing to be open and show people the way to do it, to learn these skills and these little tricks. And I was so impressed by that because I kind of always figured that artists might kind of keep close to their chest their little special methods of doing things. Well, I think that's one thing that a lot of miniature artists are really good at. And that's great in a class because you were only able to make two beautiful plants, but now you can make as many as you want the rest of your life. Yes. And I have, you know, since I went home from school, I have made more. You know, I 
gave some to people for Christmas gifts and things like that. So I just think that's like a really a huge credit, I think, to the teachers who come out here from all over the world to show their methods. This is an important part of the history and tradition of miniatures. They want to pass down their craft and their art to, to other people. Yes, and they'd really like more younger people to become involved in this and kind of carry on that torch so that one day myself, I could be, I don't know, 20 years from now, maybe, who knows, it would be cool if I knew how to do something well enough that I could pass that on to somebody in their 30s or something, and then they could forward and kind of complete the cycle. That would be cool. So when you built the little uh, theater, a little shelf, what techniques did you learn for that? Was it made out of wood, brick? So that class with Pat Richards, we built the little uh, shelves. It is called, technically, it's called a theater, but it was like a shed, but it was open with with shelves. So it was almost like a bookshelf with like a garden roof on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was made out of wood. So that was woodworking. And we got to use like a small little Praxon saw, like power tools, which is something that I had done you know, at home with my husband or something like large size, but I'd never used kind of like a miniature one before. And we made a real brick wall, you know, a miniature brick wall out of real miniature bricks. And we glued them onto a backing board and grouted it with real mortar. And then we aged it. So Pat, you know, taught us techniques on how to age the bricks and kind of make it look like there was moss growing on them. And That's something you can use learning to weather. I mean, you can use that in countless things. Yeah. Another thing also is that, you know, in this little garden vignette, so it was in a shadow box type frame. So within that little vignette, you would have a kind of like a tree branch dangling into the view. So she also taught us how to make realistic looking tree branches out of wire and you'd wrap the wire with like a little bit of cotton batting to kind of bulk it out a little bit. And then you would cover it in matte medium, like you'd paint matte medium on it and let it dry. So it was like kind of craggly and textured and and then you'd paint it to look real. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I learned like a lot of techniques actually that I have used so much since then. That's wonderful. And what was your third class? The third class was a miniature Victorian sewing box. So that was also woodworking. That was taught by Chris Malcolmson. To me, that class was the most challenging, even though the details of the flowers that I had to make were very difficult. Doing miniature woodworking to me was kind of like the most challenging thing. I would imagine. Yeah. The thing about Chris, I don't know if he does this for all of his woodworking. Like he makes such nice Victorian furniture with tons of inlays and marquetry and parquetry. In our class, all he used was a craft knife, like something you used to open cardboard boxes or something. He didn't really use any power tools. Like an X-Acto knife? I used an X-Acto knife, but he used a handheld box cutter type of thing or something. I would have thought he would have fancy tools or something. Right, right. The only power tool he used was a drill with like the tiniest little drill bit that was like the size of a pin so that we could put hinges on our boxes he did all the cutting of everything the cutting of all the inlay with a a craft knife the detail that he could get with that was just amazing it was you'd think that that was a pretty rudimentary tool but 
he makes amazing things with it. That one was kind of difficult because you are working on something that's pretty small. I'm not super adept at woodworking. That's not something that I do in my normal life or anything. So this was kind of like my first foray into that. And we got to learn how to do inlays. We got to learn how to veneer a little box and sand it and polish it and put tiny little hinges on it and everything and little hardware, little brass hardware. It was really awesome. And he was so very kind and very patient as an instructor. So I can't say enough good things. And I was so proud that I could not wait to show that little box to my husband when I got home because, you know, my husband tinkers with all sorts of things and he loves to make things and he has all these power tools and to show him like, I made this, look at this thing that I made in six days by myself with my own hands, you know, and a little, a little instructions, <laughs> little instruction from this awesome teacher. I made this little thing and it looked amazing. I couldn't believe how well it came out. Was he impressed? He was. He was so impressed. Actually, he was like, you know what? I think it's awesome that you went to this and I hope you go again next year. And I was like, okay, I will. One thing that was really awesome about Guild School is that the very last day, they had a exhibit of all the students' work. So you could go through this exhibit room and see every class and every student's project for that class you could just see everything that people had made. And it, it was so amazing. It's so amazing the amount of talent uh, that there is in the world. That is fantastic. And so what are some of the other things that happen? You have these classes. And I hear there's a special lobster dinner. Yeah. So there's actually, they keep you quite busy. You know, you're in classes for six to eight hours a day. There's meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then besides that, they had a bunch of special things going on, too. You arrive on a Saturday, and you take a tour. And then on Saturday night, they have a big banquet dinner to, like, introduce everybody. And the president of the college that you're at, the, Ma the main Maritime Academy, gets up and, and speaks. And Barbara Davis, the head of Guild School, will get up and speak and you have a, kind of like a really nice dinner. Then a, a couple of evenings later, we have a huge lobster cookout, a huge lobster dinner. It's like everybody gets really excited for that because you're in Maine. So when you're in Maine, you definitely should eat a Maine lobster. Definitely. You know, they come from all over the world. Some people have never even like tasted a lobster before, but they get like into it. Everybody has their little bibs on and some people get all dressed up and they wear like lobster clothes and everything like lobster earrings and they wear red and people just really get into it. It's kind of like a rite of tradition to have this big lobster cookout and everybody's just like enjoying their new friends and the delicious food and just like the really nice New England atmosphere. Uh, that sounds amazing. Is there some kind of auction? Yes, right after the lobster cookout is a huge live auction, which is the major fundraiser for IGMA and for Guild School. That's where they raise the money to provide scholarships for students who show a lot of promise but might not financially be able to attend Guild School without help. It's like a huge deal. The 
teachers, even like other miniaturists, like people who were past teachers at Guild School or like really well-known miniaturists who are members of IGMA will donate artwork, like miniature works of art that they've made to be auctioned off and you live bid on these pieces from just amazing artisans. I've seen some of the things and they're just, there's treasures there, treasures to be had. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I mean, they do get, it gets pretty pricey and, you know, sometimes you get outbid pretty quickly. (laughs) It's just like a really special time. I I was so excited. I was getting so into it. You have to register for this quite a bit in advance. When does the registration process open? And just walk us through that kind of quickly. Yes. So you can start registering, they they call it like pre-registration. You can do that right after the previous year's guild school in June. For the next year, you can pre-register. That's when you can start registering. But normally, if you weren't at guild school that previous year, you have to register by September, like the end of September. Okay. In order to pick your classes and stuff, you want to get in there early so that you have the pick of your classes. And even if you do register early, it's not first come first serve when it comes to classes. They want everybody to have the same chance at the classes that they want. So it all, it it actually goes into a lottery and they draw the names of people. That's how they determine. They have X amount of seats in a class and then they draw so that they can like fill each class. But based on what people's choices are. So it's like a little bit of you get to choose your first, second, third, or fourth pick. But also there's a a little bit of it that's to chance as well. You might not get your first pick. You might not get your second pick. But most people get their first or second picks. Reading on their Facebook post that you guys just picked the classes, had the drawing just a few days ago, right? No, the drawing happened in November. Oh, but actually, just a few days ago, our a class assignments were mailed out. Okay. So they're, they've officially been mailed out. So now people will know the classes that they got, and people can get all excited to see if they got the classes that they wanted. A lot of times, you kind of forget what you signed up for, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Now, just the fact that the lottery has happened, it doesn't mean you still can't go to guild school, right? There are still some classes available. You just aren't part of the lottery at this point. But you said there's still 10 classes? There is 19 classes available still. So 19 out of, yeah, 19 out of 48 classes. So, you know, about half or so classes still have room available for students. The advantage of pre-registering or getting your class selections in early is that you have more of a chance of getting your first choice of class. Now, because that's already passed, you kind of have to choose from what's available. But if you listen to this and you still want to go to guild school, there's still quite a few classes out there. I'm sure there's still quite a few things I don't know how to do being taught. (laughs) And you're in fact going back, right? I am. My sister and I are both going to make the drive up to Maine again in June of this year. And we can't wait. We're so excited. So do you know what classes you're taking this year? Well, I know what I chose, but I don't know quite which ones I got yet. To be determined. Yeah. The number one class that I really wanted to to get was a 36-hour class. So it's very 
advanced. And it might be too advanced for my skills, but I feel pretty good about giving it a shot. And it's to make a Philadelphia double chest. So it's woodworking, furniture making. And I know that there, there'll be all sorts of power tools we'll have to use and things like that. I don't know if I'd be able to finish it in a week. I feel like it would give me a lot of skills that I didn't have before. And the teacher, Craig LeBenz, he's a brand new artisan. He just received his artisanship last year. So this is his first year teaching at Guild School. And I thought he was a really awesome person and super kind and very friendly. And I can't wait for him, hopefully, to be my teacher. Oh, that's great. I hope you get your your first choice. But if you don't, I'm sure you'll still make something fabulous. Yeah, definitely. Well, Katie, it's been so great talking to you. I feel like I know so much more about Guild School than I did before. And it sounds really fun. You know, I'm like you when I started in 2020. I think it was a whole year before I even became aware of this school. I'm hoping this answers a lot of people's questions. And for those who have been, I'm hoping it brings back great memories. Definitely. It's been awesome to talk to you, Becky. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. So thank you so much. And I hope that there'll be some of my listeners that will see you in guild school this summer. Yeah, come up and say hi. I love to meet new people. Uh, That sounds great. Thanks a lot, Katie. Bye-bye. Thanks, Becky. Bye. I hope you enjoyed finding out about Guild School. What an incredible opportunity to build your skills and have a memorable miniature experience. My next podcast drops on Tuesday, March 7th, one day after my birthday. And the podcast will feature Chad, who is on Instagram at my miniature brownstone. Besides being an accomplished miniaturist, he is on the board of the Mini Time Machine, which is a fabulous miniature museum in Tucson, Arizona. They have a wonderful collection and are doing some innovative exhibits at the museum that Chad and I can't wait to share with you. Also, if you're going to IMOMA, the miniature show in Vegas, February 25th and 26th, I'll be there at the Minfluencer table. Stop by, show me your mini purchases for my Mad About Miniature Reels. Also, I'll be passing out free mini mugs and raffling off Mad About Miniature mugs, so stop by and say hello. Until next time, remember, your dollhouse, your rules. Goodbye.